people deluded i'm back again good morning i hope you're all doing well and safe welcome back to another edition of the deluded podcast the dg podcast the really and truly podcast please make sure you're following you know however you're listening to this podcast please make sure you're following on the appropriate streaming platform however you follow or keep up to date on apple on spotify make sure you do that obviously you know i do youtube content as well deluded guna 04 and everything please make sure you're hitting up the instagram the youtube you're subscribing twitch deluded guna 187 i do a lot of stuff on twitch so yeah there's something for everything cheeky plug of the socials i've said it links are all in the descriptions um as i said people welcome back good morning and i hope you're all doing well and safe you know the Premier League's been a mad year. I'm saying that every week, but it's every every day there's madness. Every day in the Premier League there is madness. You know, you've got dodgy refereeing decisions, VAR or two red cards in a game and VAR is not really acting when someone shouldn't be sent off. You know, it, it, it's been a crazy weekend. But if you've been anywhere, you know, obviously... This, this podcast comes to you on the Tuesday, people, because obviously when there's Monday action, I like to wait. But yeah, just quickly browsing over the results. If you've been under a rock and missed, missed the Premier League fixture results, you know, Leeds defeated Crystal Palace yesterday 2-0. Spurs won 2-0 against West Bromwich Albion. It was a 0-0 draw between Wolves and Leicester in the Midlands derby. Manchester City in the game of the week defeated Liverpool four goals to one. Thomas Tuchel and his and his red yellow sorry man said yellows Chelsea Blues keep marching on two one against Sheffield United you've got Aston Villa defeated Arsenal sadly a goal to nil Burnley and Brighton drew nil drew one one apologies Newcastle obviously our man Joel Willock got a debut goal um, that was a crazy game people that had everything and I'd say excluding the Liverpool game I'd say that was probably the game of the week Newcastle three Southampton Southampton two. Fulham and, and West Ham drew nil-nil. Obviously, the main talking point of that game is Thomas Suchek being sent off in added on time or whenever it was. Um, it's been overturned. Obviously, Mike Dean wanted to make a scene, go to VAR and still give it away, but it's been overturned and he'll be free to represent West Ham in their next game, people. Um, and I know I said the Southampton versus Newcastle game was game of the week. I said the same for Liverpool versus Manchester City. You could also say the same for Manchester United versus Everton, 3-3 in that game, people. Now, if we speak quickly about, well, first and foremost about the 3-2 victory, well, Newcastle's 3-2 victory over Southampton, you know, it was a great game for the neutrals, I would say. You know, it had people missing, hitting the post. It had a red card. You know, it had a penalty. It had a terrific free kick. It, I'm sure it had a penalty. I could be wrong. It had a terrific free kick from Ward Prowse. Debutant, two debutants in Minamino on loan from Liverpool at Southampton. And the young Joe Willock on loan from Arsenal at Newcastle. Scoring, it had everything. You know, Joe Willock probably could have had a couple of assists for, for, for Wilson and a couple of other players if shooting boots were on, you know. Al Mourinhoon scored two goals. I did think the second one, you know, he should have passed that and he's lucky he did score. I think that was poor from Alex McCarthy and I think ultimately Southampton conceded some poor goals. You know, wonderful free kick strike from James Ward-Prowse people and surely he has a claim to be the best outright free kick taker within the Premier League if not top two because again I could name the best players who I think can hit a free kick but in terms of consistency being a threat not just obviously scoring direct free kicks but how many again Southampton fans be able to tell how many like you know have how many corners have resulted in goals how many dead piece scenarios have related in goals away from just direct free kicks at goal you know James Wood-Prowse he's a bit unlucky I don't think he'll get a euros call up but 
the Southampton captain's having a great season, people. And if you look at it, he has scored four direct free kicks in the Premier League this season. Only David Beckham with five people in 2000 and in 2000, 2001. And Laurent Robert in 2001, 2002 also with five have ever scored more in a single campaign. Surely, just based on the game, obviously it's easier said than done. Surely, James Ward-Prowse sets a new record for that. Because I back him to at least be on seven by the end of the season. You know, I don't see why he can't score another four. More players are going to get, you know, Southampton players are going to get fouled um, sort of thing. But, you know, I'm sure the free kick won't mean anything because they lost people. Newcastle scored three, well, scored three goals in, in the first half. Apologies, people. It's still early and I'm yawning. Oh, my God. For those of you wondering, it's quarter to six, people. I'd like to do this early. Sorry, people. Let me go again. There's no retries in the streets. Newcastle, in the first half, Newcastle, this said, Newcastle have scored three goals in the first half of a Premier League game for the first time since October 2015, which they did that against Norwich. That game ended 6-2. So what can you say? Newcastle get three points, which Steve Bruce, you know, every three points he can get is well welcomed. They had a good performance, a complete performance, probably let Southampton into the game unnecessarily and made it for a nervy end. But they, you know, they started off very strongly and they and they got their just rewards for such people. Almerinion has netted twice in a Premier League match. Well, in a Premier League match for the first time for Newcastle. The last time he scored two goals in a game in a league contest, you'd have to go back to September 2018 when he was still playing for Atlanta people. Um, and he did that in a, a game against the Colorado Rapids. When we look at debutants, people, only Matty Longstaff at 19 years of age and 199 days has scored on his Premier League debut for Newcastle at a younger age than Joseph Willock, um, who is 21 years of age age in 170 days people you know with his two you know his both ironically both his two Premier League goals to date have come against Southampton people obviously one was for Arsenal so for Joe look I think he had a good game you know again still yet to really see and it's only one game but see quality on the ball you know, because I saw that game, it was a perfect matchup for Joe. It was a game for high intensity, high demanding energy. These are things Joe has. It's just about a bit more prestige on the ball. And maybe Newcastle's just a better fit for him. And obviously, you can't draw too many conclusions across 90 minutes. But, you know, it was a perfect debut for him. Like I said, he should have had a couple of goals and assists. He mucked in defensively. He obviously chipped in with a goal. We know what Joe gives you. He gives you legs. And I think Newcastle will have a good little player from now to the end of the season for him, people. But for me, for Joe, can you show me a bit more quality because I know you've got it and I know you can what, what I'm seeing based on that 90 minutes I know you've got it um, but yeah it was, it was you know convincing performance from Joe Willett Minamino obviously ain't worked out for him at Liverpool fair play he was just there over a year he picked up a league title and he's gone to Southampton but you know he scored just 30 minutes into his Southampton debut people for context he only scored one goal in 531 minutes for Liverpool within the Premier League people now, Fulham and West Ham drew nil-nil, people. As you lot know, it was marred by VAR. Obviously, Mike Dean has been, you know, corrected and Suchet will be free to play for West Ham. Both teams had opportunities to score, probably wishing they kicking themselves that they didn't do such. Um, I'm sure you all saw Bur Burnley versus Brighton, the 1-1 draw. Forgive me if I'm wrong, I'm pretty sure Dunk scored for Brighton and they took the lead before Goodmanson, you know, got something out of the game for, for Burnley. You know, I think Burnley were more decisive in possession and offered more of an attacking threat than than I expect from Steve, um, from Sean Dyche's men. So, yeah, point is, 
is, is well deserved. I'm sure, obviously, for, there was a part of the game Brighton were dominating. There were a part of the game they were obviously ahead. So to drop two points is an L. So yeah, that's that for those two games, people. It just gets better and better for Thomas Tuchel. You know, the only thing now is he hasn't kept a clean sheet as he defeated Sheffield United two goals to one. You know, other teams can't even score against Chelsea. So he's, he's, his own teammates are having, to, his own players are having to. Obviously, Rüdiger made it a bit nervous at a point with that own goal, people. To be fair, Rüdiger was having a decent game and had a decent game marred by that. But what can you say? Thomas Tuchel is still undefeated as Chelsea manager. You know, what's that? A draw against a draw against Wolves, um, beating Spurs, beat Burnley, beat Sheffield. So three wins, a draw, what three clean sheets, one what one goal conceded. It's all started well. Now it remains to be seen if this is going to be long lasting or a managerial bounce. Because take nothing away from Thomas Tuchel, people, um, and his system. I think he's a great manager. But you know, I've seen it at Arsenal under Arteta and Emre. Um, I'm sure other clubs could say the same. When a new manager comes in for a couple of weeks. It works. Everything works. You know, everyone's buying into the system, but maybe that novelty will wear off. Or when they're met with adversity, what happens? Or when people find them out in the Prem, everybody gets found out. That being said, again, it's too early really to know. But, you know, I, I, I like Thomas Tuchel as a manager. I, I think you can immediately see, you know, I can see what Lampard tried to do with this Chelsea team. But what I see is a manager who's taken what Lampard tried to do. And someone that's actually able to implement it. From one, one thing I like, you know, what you know with a German coach or people that have been in the German league, you know they're not going to take long to decide what they want to do and how they want to implement it. And you're seeing that already, you know. Sometimes you're seeing them changing the game four at the back, three at the back. But for me, you know, I, 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 it's very interesting seeing their system, people, you know. They're going with a back three. You can see immediately, collectively, what's demanded of each and every one of those players. Individually, you can see what, Kovacic has to do you can see Jorginho's job you can see whether it's Callum Hodgson Odoi or Reese James at right back Reese James who can fill in and has been used a couple of times you know Mason Mount at times has been moved deeper as well as playing more expansive you know you can see immediately every sort of bit of a puzzle that the player solves and when subs are made you know when Alonso and Azpilicueta come on you can see what they offer and how different it all is to everybody else even Kante right now his job is to come and bring energy and shut out the game so I'm seeing that I'm seeing a purpose to their football again. I don't really have statistics to back it up, but I wasn't really seeing, you know, in the build-up to... I think it was Mason Mount's goal. Mount scored first. So in the build-up to it, people, it's a bit like when we beat Chelsea. Everybody's amazed, but, you know, you now see movement. Typically, Chelsea, they're all coming short. They're all, they all want to be on the ball. What did you see? You saw a third man run, you know, Chilwell's involved. I can't remember the other guy, but fundamentally, Thomas, um, Timo Werner, who's, who's involved in it, you know, initially starts it off with Chilwell. Chilwell plays it to someone else. And then obviously he keeps that run going and he then slides it across for Mason Mount. You know, when we played Chelsea, going into that game, we was lacking a bit of movement. You see what movement can do. So I don't think Thomas Tuchel has reinvented the wheel at Chelsea. I just think he's he's built upon... That's what good managers do. You build upon the base that the club has already. You obviously think about what went wrong, you know, for Lampard to lose his job. And you try and build upon that. And I think, you know, there's still teething problems. Chelsea still look a bit poor defensively. Still not always switched on. But I, I, I really have admiration for what I've seen from Thomas Tuchel. Obviously, football's a squad game. 
Thomas took over a midway point. And I think, obviously, with football fans and journalists, you're always going to draw conclusions. But I think many people drew too many conclusions, you know, over who's going to play, who's not going to play. Players that have hit the ground running and playing consistently over Thomas Tuchel, next year they might not be used or they might be phased out. Players that aren't getting a look-in might get a look-in. Um, and it's early days, people, and he's taking over with a bunch of injuries and poor form and all of these sort of things. So I think people were writing off the likes of Mason Mount too much. And I think, you know, if you don't like Mason Mount, you're a hater. Do I think he's the most exciting talent in the Premier League of the world? No, but I definitely don't think he's... Uh, obviously, he gets a bad rep because he's seen as a teacher's pet for Gareth Southgate and also at Chelsea. And typically, sometimes he's been in in the squad at a pose of other players. Um which, again, okay, cool, fair. But you'd have to say, why is it then? Why is that him? I think the greatest curse for Mason Mount, particularly under Lampard and to a degree under Southgate, is that, you know, obviously we live in a day and age where everybody plays everywhere. You know, you're rarely a master of one. You know, for me, what Mason Mount, he can play. He's strong as a... I, I really enjoy him as an eight in that withdrawn role. You know, when to, he can balance it. I think he can... He, he should, the game should run through him a bit more. He can demand a bit more of himself. And I think when he has that license to at times run forward that's what i like he's probably best as a free spirit central midfield you know can he gives you legs he gives you a bit of that lampardness nothing like him but he gives you them legs and he also can drop deep he can do a lot and you can see already how, what the, the plans thomas tuku has for him he's a very good player people and i think he's gonna have a big future for chelsea um and obviously if he keeps doing his thing england there's a lot of things for england you know we'll get onto it but you got folding there you know you got how many talented players mount will still go in an ideal world for england i would love to see Henderson mount and unfolding. That would be as more expensive as it is. If if not gonna if you're not gonna use Grealish, but we all know Southgate's gonna go with three builders in midfield. Um so it is what it is. And like I said, you can't write off Mason Mount. He's a good player. I spoke about him on my YouTube channel yesterday. I think he's going to have a good future. And he's only 22 people. At 22 years of age and 28 days um, old, he's the second youngest player to score 10 goals for Chelsea after Iron Robin. So, and again, he is Mr. Chelsea. Now, you know, it doesn't matter if you're Mr. Chelsea or not. You've got to be doing the job. But he gets the club. He wants to play for the club. He doesn't want to leave. You know, he plays well. You know, he, he he's barely injured. You know, he gives you a lot of legs. Mason Mount, I'm not saying he has to be the first name on the team sheet, but he has to be used. In relation to Werner as well, people, obviously, fundamentally, he didn't score. And that's always going to be the monkey on your back as a, as a striker. But when you you got to look at what strikers are doing when they're not scoring. And he might not have scored this weekend. He's got legitimate issues over not scoring people. And he needs to start scoring. Or considering he's only bought for 30-odd million, Chelsea might say, you know, F it. We're trying to get Haaland and all of these players. Um, it's all about you doing when you're not scoring. And he won a penalty. I think he's won four penalties since the start of 2016-17 for Chelsea. I think he's won seven in all competitions for Chelsea. I could be wrong. He won the penalty. He got an assist. So when you're doing these sort of things, you're still in involved you just the goals will come and to be fair goals are like bosses he probably will score a brace in his next time he scores he'll probably score twice um so yeah it does a bit for his confidence so yeah Chelsea go marching on Chelsea have only conceded one goal in their first four games in the Premier League under Thomas Tuchel their first their fewest through a manager's first four games in charge since Gus Hiddink in, in February slash March 2009 people so it's all going good for Chelsea they're a point behind Liverpool to be fair with you and what Chelsea are feeling behind Arsenal led the way in terms of the league and now doing this so it tells you there's a lot of fluctuation happening people throughout the whole season so yeah, Chelsea dropped points. Um, I'm sure you all saw the crazy 3-3 draw between Manchester United and Everton. It can only be described as 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 
as that people is crazy. I think, you know, like I said, the Southampton game, the United game, the Liverpool game, they're the three games of the week for me. Arsenal didn't win, so I'm never going to include that. But it was crazy, people, you know, it was crazy. You saw the good, bad and the ugly of Man United and you saw what you already know from United and something I've always said, if they're going to be league title challenges, they have to win games more convincing. The same way they played and the scoreline, it says 3-3. I've seen them play like that and win numerous times, like against Fulham, like against Southampton. And don't get it twisted. When you you can't always play well, when you're doing the heroic thing and you're winning games you, you ain't 100% at, that's good. But typically United, you know, cheap goals and conceding early cheap goals or just or, or late or early cheap goals or just cheap goals in general, they're a theme of United's. They make games harder than it needs to be. Bruno Fernandes even said that himself in the build-up to the FA Cup game against Liverpool. And until they cut out these poor collective individual mistakes and collective errors, you're going to see this, people. You know, what was the game when they lost to Sheffield United? What kind of collective defensive marking was that? And obviously, you've had, you've had De Gea dropping another clangor and they've signed a new deal they have signed a new deal recently I can't see him being dropped but surely it's time for, for Henderson to get a look in you know Henderson isn't perfect but you know he was only brought in brought back to, to have real competition for, for, for De Gea and De Gea is costing them points you can't afford to carry players at least with Dean Henderson he's got every reason to play well you know Ole Gullis Solskjaer said he's impatient he probably still goes to the Euros but there's that chance to solidify claims for number one which was gonna is going to be Pickford he wants to be Man United's keeper he signed a six year deal he has to go out and prove it so there's enough reasons I'm not questioning De Gea's um, desire and stuff like that but something's gone wrong and the, the age De Gea is at now winning the things he's won you know and making these mistakes consistently one has to wonder if he can't pull himself out of it what happens there um, and obviously it, you, whenever you drop two points well three points um, dropping two points from a winning position whenever you're winning in the fashion United were winning in winning, running away with a 2-0 lead it is disappointing and also their problems are made 10 times harder because Paul Pogba is now, now going to be out for a few weeks with a thigh injury just as he was finding form and being central to their plans Ole Gullis Solskjaer has confirmed that people um, he has said it's an injury that will take a few weeks to heal he's just started his recovery working with the medical staff and we'll get him back as soon um, as soon as as we can and as safely as we can of course Paul has been important for us and we're not going to take any risks so it's a few weeks definitely and it is you know it's not worth it it's a bit like with Thomas Partey with us you know if it means him being out of the team, leave him out of the team so he can get his injuries, patting off his injuries. And it's a blow to Pogba, you know. Pogba's played a lot, you know. You've had to accommodate him in the side in some capacity, whether he's had to go out wide or centrally. And Pogba, you know, he won the game for them against Fulham. He's been a match winner of sorts. It's disappointing to, for him to be injured and obviously what he gives them. Um and whatnot so it's disappointing but like i said i see united play like this almost every week and you know it fluctuates you know it's a bit like it's a bit like arsenal we're doing the same things um but it was you know you've got to give credit to everton you know whatever way you look at it you've got to give credit heroic two nil down away from home that is big character shout out to every individual player and you've also got a big up carlo ancelotti for for what he was doing as well um initially it was lovely you know you had bruno getting in on the goals you know cavani getting in on the goals what a cross that was from rashford as well you know they were do you know they were dom they were dominating and once again what a goal that was from bruno fernandez you know big up you for, for scoring for the fpl team as well um but United be kicking themselves. When you go 2-0 up, you either have to get that third or you make sure you win. 
They did neither. Well, they got third. When you when you let United let Everton come back into the, the game, and to be fair, that was a solid start to the second half from Everton, and it's two two, and you're almost staring down the barrel of of, of not getting the results, and you find yourself at three two. You get away with that. You have to make sure you come off that 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 side with victory, and you're saying, boys, listen, I'm not being funny. We were two 0 up on another day. We lose this. Let's fix up. To lose it in the last minute, it shows how poor United are, and it's it's it's. It's stuff. It's stuff made of fairy tales, you know. Credit to Everton. I'm focusing on United, but credit to Everton. That's what happens when you remain penned in. You never give up. You score three goals in one half. Obviously, obviously, Dominic, Dominic Calvert Lewin got on the goal scoring sheet, and you know it's interesting to see who's going to get called up for England because I do think Calvert Lewin will get the nod. But you could say arguably none of them might not. You know, you could say I think I regardless of the form, I think Tammy Abraham is going. Kane deserves to go. I think Rashford's going as a winger, but Rashford potentially can be played there. I think potentially if Greenwood goes as well, I think he'll go as a winger, but similar, he could be used up there and Sterling. So I don't think we're going to go with four out-and-out strikers. So if you're Patrick Bamford or, or you're Dominic Calvert-Lewin, I don't know. I think it's in the balance. I do think Dominic Calvert-Lewin has a significantly stronger case then Bamford purely because he's been capped and Southgate doesn't strike me as somebody that is now going to take risks and, and call up people for the tournament unless a blinder happens that haven't really been involved in 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 the sort of qualifying like if he was let's just say a 90 you, you see how you've got Bakayo Saka and all these guys popping up let's just say this 18 year old keeper pops up evident Pickford's been making hella mistakes Pope is shaky at best he's also a good shot stopper but does some shaky stuff especially when playing out from the back and Dean Henderson's not really had a look in do I think Southgate would call up this hot shot who's clearly first choice England guy I don't think he would personally um, Dominic Calvert-Lewin at this point he's had his best goal, he's already matched his best goal scoring season so again if I'm him you got to get to 20 because surely breaking it must be like breaking your V as a striker you know if I'm a striker I'm not going to forget the first time I scored 20 league goals in a season the first time I got to 100 career league goals you know before I forget congratulations to Bamford you know you got to prove can you get 20 this season and prove can you get it again because it ends a bit of a mini barrel, bar, barren run from Dominic Calvert-Lewin, to be fair with you. And, you know, it, and collectively as a team, you know, shout to Decore for getting involved. I think Tom Davis had a good game. I think, you know, you've got to respect Everton for being away from home and, and using that spirit because they could have felt sorry for themselves and lost 3-4-0. Instead, they got back in the game. Obviously, Hammers, when you've got people like Hammers, there's always a problem. I must admit, Carlo and Chelotti, I love you, but I did question you when you took off Hammers. I was like, what are you taking off Hammers for? What's going on? But end of the day, you got signed out of the game. So it was firmly the Italian job. Smash and grab. Great comeback from, from Everton. Heroic comeback. You know, Decore, Hammers, you know, summer signings, getting them in the game. Dominic Calvert-Lewin, their talisman this year, getting them something out of it. And man to a man, they've obviously done their job. From United, all you can do is say complacency, cheap mistakes and the same old themes as to why they've been dropping points. And until United stop making games harder than it needs to be, because there's other days where Everton might not have scored, you know, and, and United walk away with that 3-2 victory and a win's a win. But it's never healthy when you're doing that week in, week out. It's like Arsenal, we make games harder than it needs to be. There's very few victories where from minute zero to 90, it's been, a, it's been calm, if that makes sense. Um, so make of that what you will looking at the statistics people this is just the second time in Premier League history Manchester United led a home game by two plus goals at halftime and failed to win if you also remember the 2-2 draw with West Brom 11 years ago October 2010 
James Rodriguez has been involved in 12 goals in all competitions for Everton. He's got seven assists and five goals. Um, you know, his his striker Old Trafford was his first away was his first um goal or assist away from Goodison Park. Um um, Decore does love to score goals. He does love to score against Manchester United. Against no side has Abdullah Decore scored more Premier League goals against than he has versus Manchester United. He's got three people. Also, if you remember, his his goal at the time was Everton's first shot on target. Since making his oh, sorry people, since making his debut, only Mohamed Salah with twenty two has scored more goals in the competition than Bruno Fernandez with twenty one. Um, scoring more goals against Everton than any other side in that time. So he's he's got four against Everton. He firmly loves that. Now, Spurs have been a shambles in the last few weeks. Harry Kane, their talisman's back. They get back to scoring ways. You know, even Son. Son sees his, his boy back and he starts scoring again. Son and Kane save the day. Son ends his five-goal um, goal scoring drought. They did what they needed to do. I think, you know... West Bromwich Albion, they remain pending. They were holding on for a while. You know, shout out to Maitland Niles for making his debut. But the goals they conceded, this is why they're probably heading to the championship. They're not closing down runners. They're not following runners. They're not winning the first and second balls. They're chasing shadows. And you could see from the jump, Spurs were going to score, you know, really and truly. It just looked like they were going to score. I wouldn't. I, West Brom played better than I thought, but they were just, for me, they just didn't have it, man. It's just an sh absolute shambles, like... Spurs have to probably be a bit more clinical. Probably took a bit too long for them to break them down by, by Spurs' standards. But it is what it is. You know, the one season wonder that is Harry Kane keeps going, keeps marching on. And he has now scored 20 plus goals in the com in all competitions in each of his last seven seasons for Spurs. Shout out to Dane Scarlett. You know, Kane is 28-29. This guy is just starting his career as a young striker. And I really like him. He's got a lot to his arsenal. Um... He's the first 16-year-old to appear for Spurs in the Premier League. So, you know, him and Alfie Devine seem to be the closest in and around the first-team squad for Spurs. Um, only in 2016-17 has Son Heung-min scored more goals in a single Premier League campaign than he has. Um, he scored 13 already this season, people. There's a lot more football to be played. He already had his little drought. Up, You know, Son, you have to get for me. I see no reason why you, you should be targeting 20. You know, you should be targeting 20. Um, obviously, with scoring on his return from injury, people, Harry Kane has now scored 208 goals in 317 appearances in all competitions for Tottenham, making him the joint second highest scorer in the club's history alongside Bobby Smith. And I think it's weird because Bobby Smith, again, before my time, clearly, you know, how good was he then? Because he's got the exact identical one to Harry Kane, you know, 208 goals in 317 appearances. And them times there, you know, you could get fly kicked in your head and it wouldn't be given a foul, I assume. So, yeah. And it just shows how good of a player Harry Kane is, you know. Because Harry Kane never got his chance at Spurs at 18 playing week in, week out. Look how when did he come into the game? It's like Jamie Vardy. Imagine if they both had the traditional sort of careers of such where you're blooded, you get your little debut at 17, 18 and you're in the first team since then. Where would they be? Fantastic. And, you know, Kane, obviously I'm starting to think about the Euros. It obviously plays for Spurs. I ain't got much time for him, but I can't not admire someone who was a top quality player like him. He is an Arsenal fan as well. I have to do it. But yeah, Spurs get back to winning ways, people. And they needed that. If they didn't beat um, West Bromwich Albion, which at times, you know, even for all their possession, it didn't look like they were necessarily going to, pardon me, score. Shout out to Lucas Moore. He looked good when he was involved as well. Um, yesterday, you all saw Leeds defeat Crystal Palace two goals to nil. Bamford scored against a former team. He played for them in some capacity. I can't remember if it was on loan or what. 
Um, before I forget, Rafina, absolute ball off Elise. Not that we didn't know already. Any Arsenal players who happen to watch my content or listen to me, Saturday, you know what you're walking into. You know, you know what you're walking into with that Rafina guy. So be ready. Um, shout out to Patrick Bamford. He's now up to twelve Premier League goals. He's got a, he scored his hundredth Premier his hundredth career sorry um goal. Which like I said, as a striker, the first time you get twenty league goals, the, the minute you get to a hundred career um goals, um these are milestones. These are these are milestones. Um, and it, you know it was interesting to hear the way you know it's, I I would love to see footballers talk, be able to talk more without being judged because. Someone like Bamford, just hearing him speak, you know, when he's speaking about what, what Bielsa demands of a striker and offering how it's a defend-first approach and he's got to mix it up and speaking about potential England chances and stuff, it's refreshing. You know, it would mean a lot to him. I think he has an outside chance. I don't think he's going to go because I do think a lot of people that are not going to be used as strikers are going to go and give Southgate the luxury. I do think Tammy Abraham's one of those players, regardless, it's not a form thing. I would argue as well, Danny Ings, who's nowhere near the England structure, rightly or wrongly, has a stronger claim than you and probably has more to his game. Because, again, I wouldn't mind Bamford, but you've got to look at international football. What is Bamford going to offer? Yes, he's a fox in the box. Yes, he can, you know, he can hold it up. He can go long. But I'd rather the, have the option of a Harry Kane, maybe the target man of... of, 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 of of Tammy Abraham to a degree, even though he's not the best of target man. The unpredictability a young striker like Greenwood, if played up there, would give you. I'm not too sure if he'd elect for that. Um, would have to see, um, really. But yeah, you know, going into the game against Arsenal, Leeds have prepared well. You know, there is a bit of a contrast between how they play away at home and whatnot. Um, and things, but it is what it is. We know Bamford's a baller. We know Rafinha's a baller. Jack Harrison's got on the score sheet, and he's improved in terms of goal scoring. You know, he has netted three goals in his last four league games for Leeds. People, that's as many as he had in the previous twenty-four. That's another one who probably wants to play for England. Um, you know, the one guy I think should be playing for England and should be going to the Euros is their 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 player Calvin Phillips. And it was very interesting to see the man marking job some of those midfielders and defenders had been given by Bielsa. You know, Bielsa's a certified manager, but I sing his praises every week. You know, Crystal Palace, you know, no Zaha, no party. They have lost 17 of their last 19 games when Wilfred Zaha hasn't played, failing to score in 15 of those 17 defe defeats people. You know, Eze was a bit anonymous. So, yeah, no Zaha, no party. Um, Patrick Bamford is the first player to score three Premier League, to score in three Premier League games in a season against teams he has played for in the competition. He got one against Crystal Palace and he scored against Burnley. So, he only played for Burnley. I never knew that. Um, this way, this is what the, the Optostat said. People, um, Lukaku also did it. Um, you know, versus Everton, and also for West Brom and Chelsea for United. Um, so yeah, make of that what you will. Two nil, clean sheet, three points, and going into the game against Arsenal, they should back themselves. People fully. Um, sadly, you know, well, also people, there was a it was a nil nil draw in the Wolves versus Leicester game. As I've said already, they cancelled each other out firmly. Um. Fabio Silva, I don't know if you want to call it a great save from Casper Schmeichel or a fantastic miss from Fabio Silva, but probably should have walked away. Wolves probably respected Leicester more so than they probably should have people. Um, of the 589 fixtures to have been played in the Premier League, Leicester versus Wolves has the highest proportion 
um, of finishing goalless people. Four of their last eight meetings in the competition have been that. So it's a 50% ratio. So those of you that are in touch with statistics and stuff, you must have made some money off the off, off the bookie, surely. Um, it wasn't meant to be, though. Now, sadly, it's always sad speaking when Arsenal haven't won people. Now, we lost against um, Aston Villa. Congratulations to Aston Villa, not only for winning, um, but also for keeping a clean sheet. Um for also keep you know beating us for the third time in recent in recent thingies for doing the double over us in the Premier League. You know the only positives I will say is that Odegaard looked decent off the bench. Um, that's it, really. I, I I would say I would say that Matt Ryan looked all right in goal. There was nothing he he could do. Um, that I'd, I'd I'd probably say that that's it. To be fair, nobody got injured. Well, party might have a not, but the manager said he's about it's same old same old. Oh, and and we kept Grealish relatively quiet. I only see him win a couple of fouls. Um, we could have lost a cup by a couple of more, not because Villa were necessarily clinical, a bit like Wolves, where we over respected them and gave it get you know gave the game to them. I think you know if Barkley in the second half had his shooting boots and and Traore wasn't um wasn't disabled by holding and, and, and Matt Ryan in the build-up and Gabriel, there'd be issues. But my problem with Arsenal is the same thing. You know, it's the same, like I was saying about United, you're making games harder than it needs to be. You're going into games, starting off the Premier League week, knowing what is going to happen, knowing you need to set the pace. And I question the mentality. You know, you're coming off the back of a defeat. You, you know, you've been in decent form, but last few games haven't been good. You remember what happened against Aston Villa at the Emirates, and I didn't see enough learning from their mistakes. Grealish was quiet, but I'm still seeing Bellerin run away and vacate him and leave him, try and leave him in wide areas against Holden. We know in the first 20 odd minutes again like when we played Southampton another game we didn't learn we need to be switched on so to concede the goal we did you know Cedric flavour of the month to some Arsenal fans this is why I say slow your horses poor pass from him over you know sells Gabriel short Holding's unaware of his man and they score my problem is this you know absolutely appalling to concede 74 seconds or whatever into the game but to Go through that and really not trouble their keeper, Martinez. You know, we can talk about a penalty incident. We could talk about a couple shots that whistled wide, but we didn't really test the keeper. You know, we still run through Saka too much. Saka didn't have the best of games, but on the right-hand side and on the left, that's where our play is filtered. You know, we need to be able to play through other players. Saka did look better at left-back. Um... You know, I didn't really, I didn't understand bringing on William or what he's going to bring because Martinelli at least brings you energy. You know, the one thing I would, it would have been Martinelli and Abamian off the bench for me. Abamian wasn't good, but I think if the only one I would say, right, cool, you didn't bring on Martinelli, so if you bring on Ceballos, I don't see how William helps our cause. Not that he was the poorest player on the field. We shot ourselves in the foot by starting slowly. We got, we're in a bit, unable to break down low blocks or teams that know how to sit back and defend well. You know, we, we, we lack movement. We didn't test their keeper. As much as Villa did what they needed to do, it's another game where we've sold ourselves short. You know, big up to Ollie Watkins, another Arsenal fan who seems to take pleasure in scoring against us. He's the first player to score in three consecutive Premier League matches at Villa Park since Darren Bent, Darren Bent in November. 2011 it's as simple as that for Arsenal you know you got yourselves you were woeful at the start of the season you got yourselves back in a position and you've bottled it now you know you didn't learn your lessons from the Wolves game obviously the Wolves game was changed by a red card but the Wolves game at the Emirates I didn't see a, an uptake in performance necessarily when we played away 
the same goes for Aston Villa. You didn't learn your lessons and, you know, you've lost to Aston Villa. You lost to Wolves. You dropped points against Manchester United. Factoring in with all the other points you dropped this season, it's a tricky one. And now you've got a tricky Leeds team on, on, on the weekend, people. You know, Martinez couldn't beat Villa with us, so he's joined them and doing it with them. I feel the only player I feel sorry for is Matt Ryan. You know, he's making his debut. Boyhood Arsenal fan. Didn't keep a clean sheet through no fault of his own. Conceded a goal through no fault of his own. And sadly joins... And on a, on a sad stat now, people, after conceding just 74 seconds into his first Premier League start for Arsenal, he's become just the fourth keeper in the competition to concede within the opening two minutes of their first full Premier League debut for a club, which is un, which is sad, people. Speaking of goalies, Martinez is the third keeper to keep a clean sheet in their first two appearances against a club they've previously appeared for in the competition after, after his lop against Newcastle. And what I can understand... One of Martinez's strengths, he has said it himself, we all know, is collecting aerial threats. So why were we crossing the ball with nobody on Martinez? Or no, we didn't have no significant aerial presence. It just... It's a poor day at the office and mentality. I think Arteta can set the team up in the best way he wants. You know, if the mentality is not there and these players just think they can turn up and, and something's going to happen, it's woeful. You know, it's Cedric this week, it's David Luiz the next week, it's going to be Xhaka the next week or, or Bellerin this week or whatever. We've got players where there's just too many individual errors and fans, Arsenal fans do this thing where they get too excited. You know, new Cedric is our new right back and this and that. Don't get it twisted. He deserves to play. He's the first name in that spot because he's been playing well. But we, we let form gas us and you've seen it with Lacazette, you've seen it with El Nene and Cedric more to a degree. We've got to wait before you start proclaiming things, people, you know. Many of these players are hot and cold, you know. There's only about seven players I believe in in this Arsenal team consistently. Shout out to Pepe because he's doing his thing, historically um, a Bamian. I would add Leno into that list, but Leno's a bit an er error-prone as well. And it's the usual suspects. If you've been watching Arsenal, the Haylen players are the ones. But like I said, congratulations to Aston Villa, man. Um, Partey might be injured, but he he's sadly only completed 90 minutes just four times in the in all competitions for Arsenal, which is something we need to we need to look at. Like I said, you can't really even I didn't understand William coming off the bench, but I couldn't really blame him because he had only Pepe with three had more shots than William, so that tells you we're not creating. There's no movement, but fundamentally the players have to get the have to have the bottle to take the ball and go and shoot. They didn't do that, people. Um, it's sad to say, but now that means we've got 10 defeats already, people. Europe is a myth now, in my opinion, unless you're getting qualifying domestically. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. Um, Arsenal have scored fewer goals than any teams in the top 12 of the table, people. And, you know, if you was to look at how much it costs to assemble the team like the front three, that, that would be appalling. Um, Arsenal's expected goals in the last three games has been less than one in each match. Their opponents managed 4.3 between them in, in those three matches. Um, Bakayo Saka has had 45 shots for Arsenal this season, more than any other player. And he's how long has he played at left-back at points this season? So what does that tell you? And he's the youngest. I shouldn't... What's going on there? Um... Arsenal faced eight shots. And even if you look at it, people, we, we huffed and puffed in the second half a bit more, of course. And if you looked at the statistics, it looks a bit more even in the second half. But both teams are into double digits for, for shots. Aston Villa had eight shots on target. We had three. So when you can't create, when you can't keep a ball, when you can't defend, when you're not trying to score, this isn't how you win games. You can see cheap goals. You can't break down another team. It's going to put you in the minus. And this is why we have 10 defeats already, people absolutely woeful um we faced eight shots on target people that's the most we faced um this season 
Um, Arsenal have lost three league games in a row against Aston Villa for the first time since 1993. From 20 games for Aubameyang this season, he's had just 17 shots. To be fair, he was off the bench. Fundamentally, Arsenal have 31 points after 23 games this season. We've only managed fewer in two previous campaigns. Last season, we had 29. Bloody hell. Bloody hell. Um, and 2000, Man said 2000. 1994-1995, we had 28. Aston Villa have taken the lead between the 20th and 27th minute in each of the last three meetings against Arsenal. So like I said, just like against Southampton, we ain't learned our lessons, people. You know, we didn't learn our lessons before the game where Theo Walcott scored, where we drew 1-1, we conceded early goals. So we conceded another one with Theo Walcott this time in the 16th or minute. Then we play in the FA Cup and concede. The same is said again, the same sort of thing is said today. Well, you get it against Aston Villa. So we're not learning from our mistakes, people. It's as simple as that. Um, very frustrating. Now, another game, moving away from Arsenal, Manchester City defeated Liverpool four goals to one. Crazy game. I thought Liverpool might nick it when I saw them get that penalty, people. You know, I didn't. I, I, at, at some points, I was thinking, is it going to be City's day? Because I think first 20 minutes, Liverpool were sitting in and respecting them too much, but they weren't taking their chances. They had the penalty and missed with Gundogan, then eventually scored. Then, uh, listen, Salah throws himself to the floor. He somehow gets a pen. I don't know how, but he gets a pen um, and he scores. I thought, yeah, it's going to be a villain thing, but... Credit to City, you know. I, I I spoke about it on my YouTube yesterday. You have to Pep Guardiola's got his mojo back. You can see it, man. He's he's keep obviously this was the first time in a while they ain't kept clean sheets, but their bulldozer inside, they're keeping clean sheets. Individual players collectively are all playing well. You know, the system's there, he's back to his best, you know. It, 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 it was crazy trying to work out what the hell he's doing. Because on one hand, it looked like Gundawan's up front, then it looked like Folden, then it looked like Sterling. You know, Phil Folden's a generational talent, it's a simple simple as that you know he's involved in at least three of those goals emphatic finish elite mentality from Gundogan to chip in and get amongst the goals after missing the pen obviously Raheem Raheem Sterling had a very had a, had a very good game you know he won a pen against Fabinho obviously it wasn't converted absolutely terrorized Trent Alexander-Arnold and and captain the team at a point I'm sure he had the captain's ban and got his first goal at Anfield against Liverpool you know and a former player so that's always sweet um Raheem Sterling is now the third top goal scorer of all players that have played under Pep Guardiola which shows how good Sterling's evolved and also showed the coaching um, I think apart from the Diaz pen he was quality you know Cancelo quality Bruno, Fernand um, Bruno Fernandes Bernardo Silva quality folding great wanted to see a bit more from Morris, but he did alright you know it was a fantastic game and they did it without Sergio they did it without T Kevin De Bruyne they did a lot you know for Liverpool let's, I don't want to Blame it all players because I mean blame blame one single player because it's everybody involved. But you can't look past the Allison mistakes, people really and truly. Allison made some serious mistakes in that game. It was a crazy game, people. It really was. It could have went either way, but you know this doesn't do much for Liverpool. It's another defeat and it's a woeful attempt at trying to defend their title. That you know defend their title would have been. It would have been great to, uh, it would have been fantastic, I'm sure, to win the first title in 30 years. But you've got to defend it and Liverpool have been woeful. And I think the bulk of that has to be laid at the feet of the boardroom. Because I do think for years there's been complacency. You've got to adapt and, and stuff. Klopp's been there for however many years. That bulk of that squad's been together for anything from three to five years. Everyone forgets when they got to the Champions League final. Or actually when they were running away with the league one year at Christmas and then bottled it and won it the next year. That squad's been together and it hasn't been evolved. You know, There's not real quality in terms of depth. There's no real 
pressure in terms of places. You know, they've been found out a bit naturally defensive um, in terms of attacking. You know, the movement isn't quite there. Historically, that front three hasn't been productive and we know there's an over-reliance on the front three. There's always a danger when creativity comes from the wide areas or, to be honest, your fullbacks, um, like you're seeing. You know, Liverpool, they've got to restructure that and I think it comes with buying players. Like, you know, they've bought some good players, Jota, but let's be honest, Jota was brought to be a squad player and he's shaken up things because of how good he's been. They need to get some marquee players. They've got Thiago. Thiago, I don't know, in hindsight, I don't know if he's just not, if he's if he's just adapting or just not a good fit because he just doesn't seem to be doing his thing to the standard he can. Like, you can see he's a quality player, but it just seems like something's missing from Thiago at Liverpool, um, which I don't want to say because he's a quality player. Um, firmly right now Liverpool are in the race for the top four you can't say they're only in the league because you know they're a point behind Chelsea now and it just shows you how poor the season is and Liverpool are in free flow by their own standards they're going to need to get back to, to winning ways and quickly or you know it might not just be the league title that you're conceding it might just be some other things um, like I said the only thing um, Chelsea um, Man City are probably upset about shout out to Chelsea because I think there's some emerging Chelsea news coming across my screen but um, Man City are running away with the league now. Um, they have now equaled the all-time winning run by an English top-flight side across all competitions, winning each of their last 14 matches. That's the same as Preston in 1982, um, 1892, apologies, and also the same as Arsenal in, in 1987. Phil Foden has now scored 10 goals across all comps this season. Um, you know, he's joined by some elite young players with, with that people across Europe's top five leagues. Only, um, um, only Haaland is younger than Phil Foden. Phil Foden is the youngest player to score and assist against Liverpool in a match against Anfield. Raheem Sterling, as I said, is the third player to score 100-plus goals in all comps under Pep Guardiola in his top-flight managerial career. He's after Lionel Messi with 211 and Sergio Aguero with 120. Mohamed Salah's penalty, again, um, penalty against Man City ended Liverpool's run of 410 minutes without a Premier League goal at Anfield and also ended a run of 602 minutes without conceding a goal home or away in the competition for Manchester City. Each of the last four Premier League goals scored at Anfield have been against Liverpool. It's the first time Liverpool have conceded four unanswered home goals in the Premier League since April to May 1999, folks, people. It's quite scary speaking about that. Since netting his first goal, um, very first goal of the season in December, people, Gundogan has scored at least two more league goals than any other Premier League player over this period with eight people. Four of the last six penalties to have missed the target completely in the Premier League have been by Manchester City players, though, people. Three of those coming against Liverpool. Mares in October 2018, De Bruyne in November 2020, and obviously Kevin, um, obviously Gundogan at the weekend, people. It'll be interesting to see what happens. Liverpool are the first side to lose three straight home league games in the following campaign after winning the English top flight since Chelsea did so almost 65 years ago back in March 1956. After 23 games this season, Liverpool have 40 points and they now have 27 fewer points than they did at the same stage last season in which they had 67. Um, the biggest drop by any reigning champion at this stage of a campaign in English top flight history, people, which again, when it was Pep Guardiola last season after Laporte's injury, a lot was said. And, you know, again, I think Klopp... He, 
I, you know, maybe he doesn't trust the new signings yet. You know, Ozzy and Kabach is quite young. He's going to need to get a run in. But you'd imagine you've sooner or later, you've got to play the midfielders back in midfield. He needs his front three to fix up. And he needs his players, you know. There's only so much the manager could do. The players have to sort it out themselves. They, they Naturally, there's always going to be an air of complacency there. And I think that's been there from the jump with Liverpool this year. Um you know, Jordan Henderson's in defiant mood. He has said, I remember last season, you kept asking me when we were top of the league. We don't look at the league now, especially. You concentrate on the next match and you just try to win every single match you can, like we always do, whether that's when you're on top or you're fourth or fifth or whatever it is. You've just got to concentrate on ne the next game and put in the performances as much as we can. Um, as you lot know as well, people, Liverpool are fourth in the standings and will find themselves 13 points adrift if Pep Guardiola's side win their game in hand and they now only and there's now only obviously 15 games left to try and catch the leaders people we already know once said already people Liverpool have dropped 14 points more than they did in the entirety of last season which was always going to happen with these injuries but some of it has to be the mentality of the players the same mentality that made them win games they they, they shouldn't have won or score late goals it's abandoned them this year really and truly we have to be real and keep it true um so it is well it is in relation to the Premier League action, people. In relation to previewing the Premier League games to come, people, um, we'll speak about such on, on the weekend. I do think there's FA Cup action this week, people. I could be wrong, but let me check. I know Arsenal are not involved in anything, so I don't I don't really care. Let me type in football fixtures. Apologies, people. I'll be with you in a sec. Let's see what's going on today. Well, you've got Manchester United against West Ham in the FA Cup fifth round. Man United are at home. You've got Burnley as well against Bournemouth, people. You've got Championship and League One fixtures and all of those sort of things. If you're into that sort of stuff, um, tomorrow, Wednesday, people, you've obviously still got fifth round FA Cup action. Swansea welcome Manchester City. Leicester will play Brighton. Sheffield United will play Bristol. You've got Everton versus Spurs at Goodison Park from 8.15. On the Thursday, people, again, fifth round action. You've got Wolves against Southampton. You've got Barnsley against Chelsea. You've got the World Club Cup as you've got Bayern Munich against Tigers of Mexico. Um, you've got El Ali against Palmeiras. So we'll have to see what happens there. On the Friday, you ain't got nothing apart from... No, we'll speak about that on Friday, but you've just got championship and the typical football, really. So that's that's football to come if you're, you know, looking for something to watch. Um, in relation to other news, people, I haven't got much to speak about. First and foremost, unfortunately, you know, we've seen the loss of Tony Collins, who was England's first black manager. He sadly passed away at the age of 94. Now, I'm 25 years of age. Um, I think it's a shame how, you know, until I saw of his death, I, I had no clue about this. And, you know, we've seen... Still problems with a lack of black managers in the game, but there's black managers, there's black players. You know, football is followed heavily by a lot of black people, especially black Brits people. Um, so, uh, again, with all due respect to the dead, to have real no clue of who he is or who was the guy, I think it's upsetting. And I think the PFA, the Premier League, the FA, all of these things can do a lot better to make sure people remember this. Because, you know, if you was to put a gun to somebody's head, especially young black males like myself, and said, you know, who was the England's first black manager, the first manager to manage in England, the, the first black person to captain England, you know, the first black Premier League player, all of these sort of things, you scratch your head and stuff like that. You can think of a couple of those, you know, Laurie Cunningham comes to mind. Um, 
um Cecil Regis comes to mind you know um things like that but again it's 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 it's, it's poor if we don't learn our history how will we comprehend our present and how can we build for the future so once again you know to Mr Collins and Tony Collins um Mr Collins's family and obviously to Tony Collins I'd like to send my condolences to your family I'd like to say a big RIP it's upsetting people as you lot know he was England's first black manager and passed away at the age of 94 um he's a former left winger he was also the first black player to represent Crystal Palace and enjoy a long career in which he became also a chief scout at some of the biggest clubs in England um, in 2017 he was presented with the League Managers Association Service to Football Award at the 25th Annual LMA Dinner Awards people so he has had a distinguished life he's had a trailblazing life and he set the way and like you said like you said, like I said there people first black player to play for Crystal Palace I think of Crystal Palace all I think of is black players people Easy Zaha you know off the top of my head John Bostock you know how many have you had consistently you know and especially in area like 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 South London as well, you know, be interest, you know, this, this sort of thing, you know, nobody knows much. So again, they could do a lot more. I'm sure you've all seen people in relation to COVID restrictions. Manchester City's first leg against in the Champions League against Gladbach will be played in the Puskas Arena in Bud Budapest. I also think Liverpool's Champions League game has been subjected to that. While Arsenal's Europa League game against Benfica, there is talks to move that to a venue ground. People, we'll have to see what happens in that regards finally i'm sure you've all heard about mike dean's death threats now obviously i don't really just just as a disclaimer for those that don't understand clearly i don't condone death threats i think that's ridiculous i think anytime it goes beyond football and goes to personal reasons there is a problem i therefore i'm not a fan of the social media how you can just wish badness on someone and their family and get away with it especially if I, if you wouldn't not that you should but say it in somebody's face um and i sympathize with mike dean that my problem is for it i'm not condoning anyone's actions um, and apparently he doesn't want to manage in the Premier League, but it wouldn't, I mean, ref in the Premier League this week, but it wouldn't get to this point. And again, I'm not excusing death threats. It wouldn't get to this point if there was accountability in his performance, you know, like I said in my live stream yesterday, in the same way, if you're a footballer and your manager thinks you've done poor, you have to go in on training and watch videos of your performance. If you're a manager and you play poor, you lose your job. It just feels like you can't criticise referees. It, it, it just seems like unless there's an overriding sort of whirlwind of talk, they're not getting demoted. I don't know. Again, I could be wrong and naive to this, but I don't know if they're doing any training. Like I said, if I'm a player and I have, I'm have, i a fullback and I have a good, a bad game against a winger, I have to go and watch that game again and see, OK, cool, I got too tight here. I didn't get tight enough there. The referees have to go back and watch their performances. Like, OK, cool. At that incident, when you went for VAR, you should have did this or you should have thought about this, you know. Know, again it shouldn't get to this point and i think you, you you there's no real scrutiny on the level of performance from these referees again referees are football fans like us they all have biases if i think if i'm a ref and i think harry kane's a diver and I, he goes down too easily he might have a legitimate penalty shout but because i think that i'm not going to give it so are they really scrutinized on their biases are their performance really scrutinized people um are they really held accountable? I don't think the referees are. And when you've got this, when you've got referees who make poor perform decisions, it's not being checked, and you've got egotistical ones like Mike Dean that wants to make it all about himself, that has previously got into bed with betting companies, it doesn't look good. It hurts the integrity, and it's made me believe I'm one of the conspiracy theorists. I believe the, the, the Premier League likes controversy. It gets everybody talking about it. I don't think they want a level game where 
decisions are made fully. I just think the Premier League care about entertainment. Entertainment equals engagement. Engagement equals money. Money equals pockets. Pockets equals more yachts. More yachts equals happy fat cats and things like that. So while I sympathise with Mike Dean and obviously don't condone these death threats, you know, why has it got to this point? Why hasn't why hasn't he been held accountable? Because there's too many grey areas, you know. One minute it's getting overturned, then it's not. Then you've all every week you've got two conflicting former referees. One person will be in for, one person will be against. Both will be defending their colleague and not trying to really just call things as they are. So until these things there change, it's a bit of a myth, people. It's fully a myth. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. But in relation to this podcast, what we've spoken about the Premier League and everything that's in, involved in it, we've basically touched on vaguely you know sadly tony collins and we've spoken about the uefa's covid restrictions and things there ain't really much to talk about in relation to transfer news there ain't even nothing um, city are linked with Haaland. they've been linked with Haaland and lukaku so clearly they want to strike off whether he's going to work in tandem with sergio aguero is another thing and if sergio does sign a new deal what is that said for gab jesus but i don't know people but Away from that, like I said at the start, please make sure you're hitting the like buttons and you're following across all socials and stuff. You know, you're following across Spotify, you're following across Twitch, Deludaguna187, Deludaguna04 on all social medias from Instagram to the rest, Snapchat, Deguna04. So yeah, everything's in the descriptions as well, people. But for now, it's been an enjoying podcast. It's been a very enjoyable 55 minutes, but I'm going to have to love and leave you. People deluded, I'm out. Thank you for listening each and every time, whoever you are, wherever you are. Stay safe. God bless.